Okay, good morning, everyone. Do you know what? I was having such a nice time. I was thinking, oh, I wonder what's next. And it's me, so I'm really sorry about that. But uh, isn't it a great morning to just gather together, celebrate the nations? Um, and I, I was looking, actually, at all the flags and stuff, and I'm thinking, I wonder how many of us could name all the flags. There's some I just don't recognize at all, so uh, sorry about that. Um, and I just wanted to thank everyone that was here till kind of nine o'clock plus last night, putting all this stuff together. Uh, Angie and Herman and Jasmine and stuff, and others, and Liesl, I know, have all been involved in putting this together. And it's, it just looks amazing, doesn't it? Let's just uh, share appreciation to those guys. <clears throat> and we are celebrating the nations before God. And God is a God of the nations. And he, as a God of the nations, because, well, he created it all, didn't he? It says in Psalm 24, um, oh, look, somebody's moved my screen. There we go. I'll try not to uh, break it. There we go. I'm glad I put this. I did the uh, PowerPoint last night, so I couldn't remember if I'd put that on as well, but I did. It says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. God loves the nations. You know, right from the beginning, God wanted to bless the nations. He came and made a promise to Abraham, or who would be Abraham, that he would bless the whole earth through him. God has a heart for the nations. Before Jesus ascended, after he was resurrected, before he ascended, he gathered his disciples and gave them the Great Commission. He said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let's try that again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Very good. Well done. We're awake this morning. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then, right at the end, as Adam has already mentioned, at the end in Revelation... Uh, John has this um, heavenly vision and he says, Behold, he saw this great multitude that no one can number from every... No, let's, it's, it's nation, so we'll do that again. So, behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every... Well done, well done. From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, when you decide to follow Jesus, something changes. You don't just start to live differently. You don't just sort of follow some new rules, but there's a heart change that goes on. And there's a change of kingdom. You become a people. You become a chosen people. If you're here this morning, if you know Christ, you are a chosen people. To be part of this church, the, his body, is something special. You don't just join church and get on a rotor. That's not what it's about. But you are a chosen people. And this morning we're going to look at some verses about what it is to be part of this chosen people, this holy nation that you are now part of. We celebrate all of these nations today. But they can only come in because of what Jesus did. We're going to look at uh, two 
chunks of scripture that kind of say the same thing, but we're looking at what the church is and how we, Gentiles, those who are outside of the Israel nation, who are not Jewish, how we are drawn into this promise of God. We're going to start by looking in Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11. The words will appear on the screen. And then later on, we're going to look at how we got drawn into that in Colossians. So let's read from um, Ephesians 2 verse 11. James, if you could just keep up, that would be great. Um, Therefore, it says... Ephesians 2, verse 11. Uh, If you're new here today, if you're a visitor, if you're not used to coming to church, if you're not used to reading the Bible, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus to encourage them, to teach them. Um, So we're going from verse 11, chapter 2. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Let's just pray, shall we? Let's ask God to come and speak to us this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you that we have now been brought near. Thank you that we were once far off Lord, I pray that you'll come and speak to us this morning. Come and help us understand your word. Come and help me, Lord, as I speak. I want to convey your truth through this word today, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that you give to us. And we can know you better through it, Lord. So help us draw near to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, verse 11 starts with a therefore. And whenever there's a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. Because beforehand, before uh, 
verse 11, God is, uh, Paul is talking to uh, the people in Ephesus and talking about where they were in their relation to God. Now he's talking to them, saying about where they are in their relation to this corporate identity. It calls for a response about what has been previously said. He talks about before from verse 1 to 11 that we've been saved by grace, not by works, that we are dead in our sins. He's saying, he said all of those things up to that point. He's saying, now, now therefore, in, in remembering all of those things, remember where you've come from. It has implications. We have a corporate identity. As I've already said, we are one in Christ. So he says, Paul, therefore, remember. We've been told where we are in relation to God, and now where we are in relation to God's favoured people, the community. It's called the circumcised and the uncircumcised. The uncircumcised had no covenant relationship with God. And Paul in all of his writings, makes it clear that God wants an inward circumcision of the heart. In Romans 2, verse 28, he says, For no one is a Jew merely outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So the, the Jewish people were the people of the promise the promises of God. And we Gentiles, everyone outside of Israel, everyone who wasn't Jewish, were aliens to the commonwealth and such promises. Verse 12 says, we had no hope and were without God and we were unaware of these promises. Sadly, Israel had, at this time, when Paul wrote and when Jesus um, was there on earth as well, They'd kind of, Israel had twisted its privileges into favoritism and it despised the Gentiles as kind of heathens, heathen dogs almost. And they'd forgotten Israel about its vocation of being a light to the nations. They'd forgotten Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3, where the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God made promises or covenants with his people throughout the Old Testament to Abraham, to bless the nations, to Moses, that his people would be a treasured people, keeping the commandments, that David, his um, kingdom would be everlasting. And Paul says, you Gentiles, that's all of us, we're strangers to that. You've got no experience of it. There's a, a commentator, a guy that writes uh, on uh, New Testament and Old Testament called Hendrickson, William Hendrickson. He says, that we were Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Well, that's cheerful, isn't it? Thanks, William. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Not a lot of hope. And the Bible often says that it's not actually good to look back at our former things or pine for our former life. But it seems to say here that Paul's saying it's good to see where we've come from. Remember our former state. I remember last time I spoke, 
it did me good because I, I talked about my, a bit about my testimony, about where I had come from. I was far from God, but he had brought me in. God broke into my corpse-like experience, my existence, my corpse-like existence, and broke in. I was dead, as it says earlier in uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's all of us. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. But I received grace. I've received grace. I've been saved by Jesus from my hopeless state. I've received grace. I'm saved for a purpose. He has good works prepared for me. He has good works prepared for you if you are in Christ. And Paul is saying, remember this. Remember where you've come from. I like to remind my kids about, you know, giving them a sense of belonging to our family, talking to them about who we are as a family, our kind of what we try to represent. But also, I try to draw them into something that you are part of something bigger than just our family. You're part of his glorious bride that is global. Moving on in verse 13. This second, the big but. But now you were far off. Remember where you were. You were far off. But now you've been brought near. Being near to God wasn't new to his people. They were near through the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. But there's this new concept about drawing near. What we've sung about this morning through the blood of Jesus. We've been brought near through the blood of Jesus. He has, verse 15, abolished the laws with its commandments and its ordinances. He's broke down the dividing wall that separated Jews and Gentiles, and the wall was very thick. The Gentiles at the time weren't allowed into the inner courts of the temple. There was even an inscription on it that said about the Gentiles, they only had themselves to blame for their death if they passed beyond it. Serious contempt. But he broke it down. Jesus, he broke it down by abolishing the law. He was born under it. He lived it. He fulfilled it. He was pure and righteous. You won't find any fault in him. He fulfilled the law perfectly by becoming sin for us. By being cursed for us. Cursed is he who hangs upon a tree. The law was thoroughly fulfilled by Jesus. Hallelujah. He died to the law. We have died to the law. We're crucified in him and we are alive in him. Hallelujah. He unites us now. We might be from many different nations here this morning, but we are united as one new people. We are God's new humanity. Our godliness is not shown by living a certain list of rules. God's abolished it. And he's opened the way for the nations to come flooding in. It's vital to understand that we're not under law. As we've been reading through Luke, that's just been coming up again and again, hasn't it? That we're not under law anymore. It's vital to understand that, but we're under grace. Because grace opens the door to the Gentiles and world mission. 
We've got direct access to God through the Son. Direct access to God. We have got direct access to the creator of the universe. Not through following laws and rules, but through the Son. We've got access. We're accepted. You're accepted and you're a new creation. Did you know that? Did you know if you're here and you believe in Jesus, you're a new creation? You are a new creation. Can you say, new creation? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a new creation. Some of you might be thinking, well, they don't look like much of a new creation this morning, but give them grace. It was a long day yesterday. But we need to realize this. We're a new creation. Our acceptance in God is so we can also accept others who might seem unacceptable. We'll never get this. We'll never move forward in our faith until each of us know that we are thoroughly accepted by God if you are in Christ. He has dealt with my rejection. You know, I always wanted to fit in. I always wanted to be in with the in crowd. I always wanted to be with the cool people. Always striving. But he's changed me. I'm a new creation. I don't care about the in-crowd. <clears throat> I mean, I'm in my 40s now, so I don't think there is an in-crowd in the 40s, to be honest. But, <clears throat> but I remember a guy saying to me, um, when we lived in Bury St. Edmunds, uh, he was a dad at the school gate, I got, became friends with him. He would say, there's, just, there's a piece about you. Do, you. do you not worry that if people aren't talking to you at the school gate? I said, if they do, that's good. If they don't, I don't care. Because I'm a new creation. How has he dealt with my rejection? He didn't wait for me to become like him. Because before you or I had done anything, Christ died for the ungodly. He became like us. He endured total and complete rejection, so we don't have to. So we can accept others. This church, his body, can be a culture of accepting people, bringing them in, loving them. And pointing them to Jesus. And letting him do the work in them. In secular society, rejection is the norm. Although the media would have us think otherwise. It is everywhere. It's all around us. There's unwanted children. Unwanted elderly. There's divorce. There's class and racial racial hatred. There's a fractured society. Which actually I think is more prevalent at the moment than ever. Well, for a long, in my lifetime. And we're to provide an alternative to this. To rid ourselves of these things that have characterized us before we were Christians. We're exposed to this rejection and we can then bring it in with us, but actually we need to change our mindsets. I used to have, when I first became a Christian, issues with other churches I used to think, actually, they weren't as good as ours. God has really had to do a work in me and change my attitudes towards many things. I don't have that attitude anymore. He changed my attitude towards immigration. When I, before I was a Christian, I had a bit of a problem with that. I just want to be honest with you. But he has changed me. He has renewed my mind. 
I now want to see these people coming in who are here for refuge, for safety, for economic reasons, seeing them as people, as opportunity for the gospel. The nations are coming to us so we can see them as gospel opportunities. You know, we don't have to go now to Africa to reach Africa. The nations are coming to us. We need to accept others as Christ has accepted you. Us accepting others into this body is not founded on us being a good club with good rules. It's about the profound healing work that Jesus has done in us. Jesus accepted sinners. He accepted Zacchaeus. He met him, accepted him, loved him. There was a heart change and then there was society change. We mustn't become a stumbling block. Accept others and our differences from different nations. God wants unity. So prefer one another in love. And it's important that we get these things right. The church is God's plan A, B, C, D, E, F, etc., etc. You know, it says later on in Ephesians. Ephesians is a great book, by the way. <clears throat> I think for a time my Bible just used to fall open at Ephesians all the time. It's such a good book to read if you haven't read it. It says, the manifold wisdom of God is to be known through the church. The manifold wisdom of God is to be known to the world through the church. So wasn't it great to pray for the church in these different languages today? Yeah. Revival starts with the church. So why don't you be praying for Hope Church? Praying for the two services. We meet, if you're visiting here this morning, we have a 10 a.m. and a 4 p.m. Pray for these services. Pray for our Christmas services coming up. Pray for alphas, pray for freedom in Christ courses, pray for our connect groups, pray for everything that goes on because the church is his plan. We are all one in the church, united in one body. There's no such thing as a Jewish section or a Gentile section. We are one, one new man, a new humanity. It never existed before, before Jesus. And I now have more in common with a, a fellow Christian in China or with my brother Gabriel or my brother Herman or Wilbert than I do my own neighbour or my own family or people that I've grown up with or that I've known for years because we're one. We are one. This body, these people, we have amazing privileges, access to the Father, members of his household, built upon as he goes down later on, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, verse 20. Our foundations are sufficient as well. Christ is building his church. Scripture doesn't need adding to or changing to. I don't need to dig up foundations that I've got on my house. I don't need to change that. We're not at liberty to change our foundations. We're not free to remove unpopular truths or remove the uniqueness of Christ, or the eternity of hell, or sexual restraint, or the nature of what marriage is. We don't need to add in additional doctrines. This is his church. This is his word. It's glorious. It's wonderful. Get to know him. Get to know the body. 
And lastly, in, in Ephesians, it says we are a dwelling place, a holy temple where God lives by his spirit. God promised a building that would be his home where he would dwell among his people. And ultimately, God wouldn't fulfill his promises in a building, but in a person. The temple took upon human form when God took flesh in Jesus and he tabernacled amongst us. Jesus declared of his body it would be destroyed and be raised again in three days. And now united in faith with Jesus, every Christian is a temple. Every church should be a temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter where we meet, really, but the church is glorious. The church is a modern wonder of the world. Isaiah 62, I think I've got that actually on the... Isaiah 62 says the church will be called sought out. You know, we can get in our mind all sorts of things about the church, but actually it says it will be called sought out. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. That's his glorious church. That's you, one body. The church is glorious and the local church will succeed. The church is the most significant community meeting together in this town. The church is global. The church will be the praise of the whole earth. Galatians 3, 7 to 8 says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. God has brought you in to be a blessing to all the nations. Well done. The mission and purposes of the kingdom of God. He's brought you in for that. He's brought you in to, to become more like him, to, to deal with stuff that you might have going on. But don't just stay there. Don't stay there just trying to sort stuff out because actually he wants to move you on, to be part of his global mission. We are not part of the great suggestion. We are part of the great commission. So you are commissioned to reach the nations. You are commissioned to reach your neighbours. Remember, when you're in church, however ordinary things might seem, or however unimpressive the surroundings, remember these glorious spiritual dimensions of your church. You're welcomed into the precious family of God. So love these people. Look around. This is your family. We're being built upon the foundations of Scripture. Listen to the, the teaching carefully every week. Give yourself to worship. You're being constructed as a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Now, you might be thinking, well, look, I've grown up in church, or I've got my nation, my heritage is Christian. I know all this. Or you're wondering, well, how do I be a part of this? Or maybe you think, I'm, I'm okay. I've got my family. I'm a good person. person. Well, Colossians, last verse, <clears throat> Colossians 1, 21 to 23, tells us something similar. Excuse me. It says... And you, 
Again, our, our friend Paul is telling us something similar. He says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, that's Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, the Father, if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Our friend Paul again is telling us that everyone is alienated. Not just separate. We weren't just... God was over there and he, you know, we weren't quite sure what was going on. No, we were hostile, hostile in mind towards him. So you can grow up in church, you can grow up in a Christian heritage or nation, <clears throat> and you are still alienated from God. You know the words, you know the songs, you know the stories, but you, do you know him? Do you really know him? I say this to my kids all the time. I say, guys, you, it's, good, it's great to know these stories, but you can't hold on to me and my faith. You guys, you've got to know him. You've got to speak to him. You. You've really got to get to know him for yourself. Jesus has come. Jesus has come to pay the price for your sin and for mine. You are separated from God right now if you don't know Jesus personally. Jesus, the perfect man, became, became because someone had to pay the price for what we had done. He took the punishment that we all deserve because we were alienated from him. Hostile in mind and full of sin. So Jesus said, look, I'll go, I'll reconcile bring you together, I'll make this right. The perfect and loving and just God came so that he could accept us. Because he, Jesus, would pay for all sin. All sin. No greater love than this has ever been shown. Jesus, who was there at the beginning of creation, who all of this was created for and through, came and laid down his life so that you can know God. You, you can know God. Do you know him? You can receive his free gift of grace. It's a free gift. And that's the amazing thing about it, is that there's nothing that you can do to earn it or achieve it. That's why it's so offensive to people, because people want to do it on their own. They want to earn it. They say, well, if I do these things, or I'm a good person and I can do this, then I'll be all right. No, you, there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to achieve salvation, only through Jesus. He doesn't wait for you to be a better person. I love this translation of Romans 5, verse 6. It says, from the New Living Translation, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So what happened on the cross somehow, we... We, we've switched places. I, I love to quote 2 Corinthians 5 where it says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our place. He took our sin 
so that we could be more like him. In order to present you, as it says in Colossians, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So when I die, when I leave this earth, Jesus can present me to the Father and say, this, this is Ian, he, uh, he acknowledged me on earth and I have reconciled him to you. He present me to the Father through Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross, I can be presented holy and blameless. So, do you believe it? Do you accept him? Can you remember a time when you gave your life to Jesus? When you said sorry to him for your sin and your hostility and thanked him for dying on the cross? And you asked him to come into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are you at with that? If everyone you know stopped believing, where would you be? Would you follow him, follow them, or would you follow him? Would you cling to Jesus? And you know, this morning, you can come to him right now. And it's easy. And all you have to do is... Say those words of saying, sorry, thank you, please. I'm just going to pray that prayer. So why don't we all bow our heads. And if that's you this morning, if you think, well, I kind of know the stories. I've grown up in this, but I've never, I don't know him. I've never given my life to him. Or if you're looking in saying, I want to be part of this, then you can do that. All you have to do is just say these words after me, just in the quietness of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sin and my hostility toward you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and taking all my sin. Now please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you are a new creation. You are a child of God. You have been adopted into his family. This gathering, this new humanity is a temple of the living God. This is the only local building that will last forever. It is a wonder in the heavenly realms. It's what gives us our identity. It's not colour or culture. It's chosenness. You are a chosen people. We are out from all races. We have been chosen. One at a time not on the basis of belonging to any group. So let's enjoy being part of his wonderful creation, this one new humanity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died for us, that you have brought us near, that we were alienated and hostile, but you have brought us near, reconciled in his body, in your body, By your death, Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for this day as we celebrate 
unity, diversity. Lord Jesus, thank you for the many nations gathered here this morning. I just pray you bless the rest of our time together and this day. Amen.